Hello, and welcome to the Double Double. My name is Kelly Hogan, and joining me, as always, David Dixon. David, what's up? What's going on, Kelly? We're on the cusp, the precipice of free agency, the best time of the year. We got a lot to go over. We got a lot to discuss here tonight. Yeah, we have a special guest joining us, too. He is the Bobby Marks of the Double Double, the salary cap aficionado, Leo Klebinoff. Leo, how are you doing? Great, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. Pumped to be on this pre-agency pod. Yeah, we're, we're very excited to have you. So we're going we're gonna to bounce around and hit on a bunch of guys who might be playing in new cities come July and then some teams that have some interesting decisions ahead of them. But it only seems right to kind of start with Kawhi. His team did just win the championship, and he has a decision looming. Rumors have had him connected to, it seems like, the Clippers for forever. But, I mean, he's got to run it back with Toronto, right, and defend the title. What do you think, Leo? Yeah, I think it's interesting how uh, non-committal he's been throughout the whole season. Um, Woj said today he's uh, having the Raptors as the, as the last, uh, last presentation for him, which uh, usually is an indicator of where they where he he will sign where a player will sign um i don't know i'm not really feeling the lakers in this uh for Kawhi. what do you guys think yeah you know it's it's really interesting you, you mentioned that he's been so non-committal but that's kind of just like his personality you know just you know he he doesn't give you anything so he might be loving it in toronto but you would never know or he could hate it and you would also not know i feel like i feel like the the lakers meeting is a little weird in that he just doesn't seem like the type of person who, from just his career so far, who would want to be joining a super team because kind of where would he stack up on the Lakers? Would he be the second best player or or, or the third option? I, he just won a championship carrying a team and a country on his shoulders. I, I don't see him going to the Lakers and being the second or third option. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dave. Uh it, it, it'd be weird and, and, and talking about the Lakers how are they going to field a team to surround those three players on the Lakers uh, they're going to only sign the veteran minimums for everyone it'd be very weird seeing three superstars and then a whole bunch of guys that are either they're going to have to take a discount or just simply veteran minimum guys I mean what, what do you guys think about that just if, if we're going to stay on the Lakers for a minute would you obviously today they just traded away pretty much their last three pieces that are not Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kyle Kuzma in exchange for basically what amounts to like a washing machine. So they're clearly in all-out pursuit of a max free agent. But what do you guys think of adding that third max superstar, be it Kawhi or otherwise? Personally, I don't really see a scenario in which Kawhi teams up with LeBron. I just think Kawhi's motivations, like, like you said, David, he's He's kind of a mystery man, so it's it's kind of tough to get a read on that. But but from the Lakers' perspective, what do you guys think about them maybe pursuing two or three guys that are Danny Green types or players of that ilk that can come in, Patrick Beverly, and come in and kind of get things going on the wing rather than just one premier player? Because I think, honestly, I think depth is important. And another key aspect of 
this whole thing is if they want to make midseason trades if all you have are insanely high salaries and insanely low salaries it's very challenging to make the numbers match and and, and pull off some some acquisitions midseason yeah i mean for sure and you mentioned the the Lakers trade today. You got to imagine that if the league would have allowed them to trade their the guy who they picked in the second round, that they would have traded him too. So they basically traded all the guys that they could have today with those three players, and it could have been four if the league allowed it, just to clear as much salary as possible. And it's interesting that that you bring up the different approaches that they have, whether they go more depth and give them more flexibility. I'll I'll let our cap expert talk more about the the flexibility concerns as you said for for deadline deals but i think i think we're dealing with the lakers in the middle of of an identity crisis because the last four years they were rebuilding and that's just not what the lakers do they're they're a team that goes after stars and i think that they're going to not do that approach that you mentioned go get the danny greens and the jj reddicks and they're going to try to get a max guy i think they're going to try to get a meeting with anyone and everyone they can and see if they can get Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker or a lot of the other guys that we're going to talk about because I just don't think that they really know how to recruit to those mid-level guys. They only really know and have confidence in attracting stars. I think depth is way... I, if I'm the Lakers, I'd go for depth right away. I, I think, it, how are you going to build a team that is just full of guys on the minimum and then one guy with their room mid-level exception which is around 4.7 million dollars it's just not realistic to see a to see a team that just has three maybe four guys competing for a championship see but but don't forget you know there is the recently bias bias of the fact that the the bench for the Raptors played so well in the finals but Kelly it wasn't that, that long ago our whole spiel on on our team was that they didn't have any depth that they only played six or seven guys that can anyone help Kawhi. So, and they won the championship. So I think it's, and the Warriors didn't have great depth the last two years and they made it, they won the championship and then made it to the finals and probably would have won if, you know, they didn't have a guy rupture his Achilles and tear his ACL. So I think that this question of depth is important for teams who don't have maybe the greatest player of all time, uh, top six player in Anthony Davis and maybe another top 10 guy like even if because you're so good you'll still have two superstars even if one gets hurt I mean didn't the heat kind of just rely on Bosch Wade and LeBron basically on maxes and then they surrounded them granted some guys took less to come play with them but they were a team mostly with guys playing for close to the minimum and they, they had some great success so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities but I just think it, it it'll pay dividends to have you know four five six guys you can trust in crunch time rather than just three and piecemealing the rest of it together yeah i you know i just think it's like what we talked about with anthony davis where it's when you trade someone is that you're even for the sum of the parts it's going to be good as that one part you know so even though like you could sign all these guys for mid-level deals but are they all going to be as good as the impact that the the Lakers could sign if they got Kyrie Irving, you know? Speaking of Kyrie, it all signs seem to point that he's leaning towards Brooklyn. If you don't get Kevin Durant and you are the Nets, is Kyrie Irving that much of an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell that you're kind of, you know, willing to go down that road given kind of all the the turmoil he's caused in Boston this past year and, and in Cleveland a couple of years back. Do you think his the talent gap between 
Kyrie is that significant over D'Angelo Russell? Personally, I, I don't think it is. Um, uh, you see last year, you surround Kyrie with a lot of young guys and like this Brooklyn team, a lot of young guys and see how he can lead the team. Um, it didn't go well in Boston. I don't see why it would, it would go well in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, you know Kelly. Do, do we really need to go into it? I, I'm just not a Kyrie guy. And I just think it's because he's weird. He's a difficult person to deal with. Did, did you guys see the the quote about Stevens for a film session? Stevens, he walks in and goes, hey, good, good morning, Kyrie. What's going on? And Kyrie responds, what does the word government mean to you? Like, Leo, like, <laughs> like. If we went into a film session and we're on the road and it's, you know, one of those like 730 in the morning and I responded to you like you would think I was crazy. Yeah. So and the, the, the Nets have done a really good job. And I give Sean Marks and all those guys all the credit in the world that they deserve because they were able to build a culture after a devastating trade to their team in that they had no assets really no hope and Marks brought back hope he brought back a culture and Kenny Axon's a, a great coach I don't know if Kyrie can can fit in there I I think Brooklyn is is unique in that you know I, I hate saying this comparing them to the Spurs but like the Spurs guys fit in there if they spit if they fit in with the Spurs culture and I think the Nets are building a, that a, a culture like that and I think it's going to take a certain guy to fit in there. And I don't know if Kyrie's that guy. I think you hit the nail on the head there, David. The, the Nets have built such a good culture here. Really, ever since that Pierce-Garnett trade, they've had to just basically start from, from ground zero. And what they did this past year, making the playoffs, and obviously D'Angelo Russell was, a, was an all-star. Kyrie Irving is a heck of a player. But this whole conversation changes drastically if... Kevin Durant is included in that package. If if Kyrie and Kevin Durant are, it's decided that they're coming to Brooklyn together. If, if that's the case, I'm taking Kyrie in a blink of an eye. Whether or not Kevin Durant can play next season, which it doesn't look like he's going to be able to play at all, but I think Kevin Durant is that talented, and his game will age gracefully even with this Achilles injury. That I'm I'd be willing to give him the four year, 164 million dollars, and and just bite the bullet that first year because. A Kyrie Kevin Durant pairing, I think, in the Eastern Conference, that'd be pretty dangerous. Yeah, totally agree, Kelly. But uh, we're still forgetting that it's not just KD. They have two max slots. So Kyrie and uh, Tobias Harris. I saw DeAndre Jordan. Like, there's other guys that um, I think, like, if they only get Kyrie, I'm not sure they do it. But like a, a Tobias Harris, DeAndre Jordan, I think that's a great compliment and two great guys to fit in that team. Leo, as as a diehard 76ers fan, this is a, a this is a division rival you're talking about. The 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 Atlantic Division. Who would you as, as a Sixers fan fear more a combination of Kevin Durant and D'Angelo Russell or Kyrie Irving and D'Angelo Russell? KD and Kyrie. Even knowing KD may not ever be the same with the Achilles. Like like this is not the KD that we saw beforehand. Like it's going to be a different version. Yeah. So, so you're saying as a Sixers fan, you'd rather go about, go up against Kyrie? Correct. Interesting. This is a guy who watches 82 Sixers games a year. Kel, he knows a lot about the Sixers. So then, there's no better person to ask than this. As a Sixers fan, I'm assuming you want Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris back. Is that right? Yeah. And you think the team is willing to pay the luxury tax penalties that are associated with that? Because it looks like. If they sign, I think Jimmy Butler's looking at about five years for 190, and Tobias is 
in that ballpark as well. That is a hefty, hefty price tag that Philly ownership is going to have to pay when you factor in Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons is going to be eligible for a contract extension. J.J. Redick, I'll make the argument that he might be their most important offensive player. He's a free agent. So I think this is a huge summer for Philly. What are you just thinking as a Philly fan? Where Where is your head at right now? Ginormous summer. Uh, the, the front office is working the margins like they have to. The the, the ownership is like scrambling for that extra money. They've got, they traded away Jonathan Simmons, $1 million contract. They got $2 million from the Wizards on the, on the draft. They're trying to get that extra money to prepare for the summer. As a Philly fan, everyone wants to run it back. Everyone wants uh, JJ, Toby, and Jim to run it back. Um, and as we, for the players, it's all, the team's going to offer them contracts. There's no doubt about it. It's what, what the players do and what, uh, what, what they're offering. Um, like Houston's coming in to try and get away Jimmy, but is Elson going to pay him the five years, 190 million max contract? Like how's Jimmy going to age when he's 35 years old? He's had the most minutes the past four years in the NBA. Um, it's hard because th- they're going to reach that luxury tax bill and the, it's it's it, every year it gets more and more money and they're going to get close to the tax apron and it, you could become really restricted so they, they've got to really work the margins this summer for every single player and it's such a pivotal summer and if but it, I, but if you can get those guys to come back and run it back i think they're a title contender jimmy butler is from the he's from the tom thibodeau school of does not age well here's a guy <laughs> he's gonna be 30 before the start of next season and I mean, I would not give I would not give him a max under any circumstances. Like I know he played very, very well in the playoffs this year. He was against Toronto. He was going punch for punch with Kawhi. I don't want to say he was better than Kawhi, but he was holding his own in a series against a man who would turn out to be the Finals MVP. But giving him five years, one hundred and ninety million dollars, I would certainly be queasy about that as a Philly fan. But also recognizing if you let him walk, you don't have many other options. So it's certainly. It's it's a dilemma for Philly and it's a it's a tough situation to be in because I think they also are aware, probably even more so than we are, that he's not gonna age gracefully. And I think they're gonna have to pay him anyway just because they don't have many other options. And he won't age gracefully physically, and being a bad teammate stays the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you guys. <laughs> but uh if they, I, I don't, I don't think he stays. If they offer him like four years, one hundred forty million, and there's, there's, they gave up Sarge and Covington, and you're just offloading assets for getting nothing in return. It's like, I, if Jimmy can get five years, I think he takes it. Um, getting that extra, I don't know, forty to fifty million is going to be huge for him, especially because his game won't age. But it, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. It's it's also really interesting that Daryl Morey is going after him because Daryl Morey is considered one of the, you know the smartest GMs, not just in basketball but in all sports. And when he's on a guy, you have to really wonder, you know, what does he see that that we don't see? So me and Kelly aren't that big Jimmy guys. You obviously are because he played really well for for your team and he's very good. But you know, me and Kelly have a different opinion. But Maury sees something and says, you know, I want to add this guy to my team. That to me says, hey, am I undervaluing him? You know, like this guy seemingly is really valuable in NBA circles. And if 
if he goes to Houston, because Houston's another team where they need to do, they need to make a move, kind of the way that a lot of other teams do, but they don't have a lot of cap space, and I don't know what it would take because this you're, you're, they would basically have to do a Lakers thing and trade almost everyone on their roster to get the the salary enough. You know, is Houston really better if they give up Eric Gordon and, and PJ Tucker for for Jimmy Butler? Because if if I'm the Sixers and I could trade Jimmy Butler for Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, I would do that. I mean, people are might be undervaluing Jimmy, and and we might be among them, but I think. In general, people are undervaluing the Rockets. Here's a team that you could make the argument was the second best team in the West last year. And now everyone is just arguing, blow it up, like this isn't working. Guys, Golden State is going to be without two of their top three or four players next season. And you could make the argument that the Rockets are next in line to make that jump and potentially compete for an NBA Finals if they remain pat. So I think this panic by the Rockets, of course, they would be well-served in the near future with Jimmy Butler on their roster. I don't know if anyone is well-served to have Jimmy Butler on their roster and on their books accounting for 40 plus million dollars in like 2023. I don't think that's a good look, but going back to Tobias Harris for a second, I think his game is going to age very well because he doesn't totally rely on athleticism. He's very, you know, skill-based, but he's only 26. Philly, I think is more inclined to pay Jimmy than Tobias and I was just thinking of, you know, potential places that Tobias could land and they might be interesting fits for teams that could use someone with his skill set. And I was thinking if the Nuggets were to let Paul Millsap walk and then they signed Tobias Harris, I think that'd be a really interesting fit with Tobias playing the four next to Jokic. For Jimmy in Miami or not Miami, uh, Houston, I don't, I don't see the like that fit wise. It makes zero sense to me. Um is Jimmy Jimmy's gonna want to watch James Harden dance the whole game? No. Jimmy wants the ball in his hands. He's an alpha. Jimmy's not that good of a catch and shoot player. Houston is a huge catch and shoot team. I I don't see the fit there. Why 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 I don't see what Daryl's seeing. But I mean he he's the NBA GM and Tobias wise, um, I he's twenty six. His game fits more with a uh, with. Embiid and Simmons than it does Jimmy with Embiid and Simmons, um, but he's just not a, a, a he's not a max player. He's he's a sub max that's going to get overpaid in the market. Um, five years, one ninety is a lot for Tobias Harris, but it, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean it's definitely a lot uh, for Tobias because he's he's one of those quiet superstars where he's very very consistent, but if I'm paying someone that much money, I want more than, you know, 20 and six and five every night. I want 26, seven and eight. And I want moments where you're scoring 40 in the biggest moments in the biggest games of the season. And Tobias just isn't that type of guy. He, he's a great second option. So if I'm Brooklyn or the Lakers, I would be all over Tobias, but, or even Houston. But if I'm, going out and trying to get Tobias and I don't get anyone else I would be disappointed as a fan of that team like if Tobias was the only guy like let's say Toronto loses Kawhi and they sign Tobias Harris like I would be disappointed obviously you you know you're going from Kawhi but Tobias will be very consistent but it's you know he doesn't excite you because he doesn't raise his game to 
his ceiling is, isn't as high at, at his peak. Do you, do you guys have any thoughts on Clay? Because I, I think the Warriors, they have no other option but to really max him out. And if they don't, it sounds like he might look elsewhere. Maybe that's just him trying to trying to get some leverage on Golden State. But I think what he's done over the past couple of years and, and ACL injuries, yes, they're devastating for the fact that you're out for a year, but guys tend to return and, and come pretty close to where they were pre-injury. So I'm not sure that's that's much of a concern. Do you guys see any scenario in which Klay Thompson isn't a warrior next season? No. I, I think this speaks to the larger issue for the Warriors. So I agree with Leo. I think Clay will be back with the Warriors, but I think it shows that okay, they're facing adversity now. They're facing, you know, obviously if Clay never got hurt, this would this wouldn't be even be a conversation. But they now, for the first time since they really signed Durant, they have different ways they can go in terms of salary because if they pay Clay, they're paying Steph. Depending on what KD decides to do, this Draymond situation is going to be a really really big deal. Because he's going to want a max deal, and we'll see if the Warriors want to pay it. And they might be saying to Clay, "Hey, take a little less for us, so that we can keep Draymond, and we'll keep competing for as long as we can with you guys as the core." But I think that if you know, we we don't know what Clay's thinking. If he's trying to use this as leverage to get the full max, but we'll see how much of a team guy. He is and how much that they're all willing to sacrifice to, to keep playing together because at the end of the day, you know, on on the double double, we love talking about what other people should do with their money, but that's a lot of money he'd be turning down, you know? Speaking of a lot of money that could be on the table that might be turned down, Kemba Walker is another one. A dude who made third team all NBA over Clay Thompson. So therefore he was eligible for the Five years, two hundred and twenty plus million dollars. When Clay's only eligible for five for one ninety, but it appears through some reporting that Michael Jordan and the the Hornets brass might have lowballed Kemba to the point of five years, one sixty ish. So basically, offering him about sixty million less than what his maximum value could be, and you know just. From my perspective, what is what is Charlotte hoarding this money for? Like, what free agents are you like? Like, why are you going to do anything to upset Kemba? I think you just offer him the contract. It's probably not the best investment, but I'm not really sure what the opportunity cost of that money is because no one is coming to play in Charlotte. What do you guys think? I'm kind of on the opposite side of this. I think it's a lose lose situation for them. Um, I think they should just tear it down because if you pay Kemba. The, the money he wants you're you're going to be stuck where you're not going to be able to you're going to be drafting in the teens for the next five years you're it's a mid-market team they won't attract any free agents they won't have any, any money to sign free agents but if they tear it down um the lottery's changed you can get a team like memphis who's on who's hopefully on the rise in the next couple of years and they're a mid-market team low market um, if I'm them, I tear it down. I just I think it's a lose lose situation, but I think tearing it down is the best option. See now before before I answer, I got a question for a for a cap cap expert. Is there a is there a thing as a, as a one year eighty million dollar deal in uh, in the NBA? Does that exist yet or no? No, cannot do that. Okay, so if so if I'm Kemba, I'm going to whoever offers. So if if the Hornets. Do give me that that full max. I 
I would think about it for a half second and then sign it because that's 80 million bucks. But if I'm the Hornets, going back to what Leo said about the lottery odds changing, that means I would keep Kemba because we saw the Lakers jump up into the top five. We saw Memphis jump up. We saw uh, New Orleans jump up and, and get the first pick. I, I think it's because you, you just got to be in the lottery and you have a real chance to win it because it's basically very equal odds for everyone. There's no more huge advantage for having the best odds. And if if you think about it, if they were able to land Zion this year, this would be a completely different conversation. Like we don't know who that next great prospect will be if somehow they are in a great draft and they keep Kemba and they end up with a third pick and take a guy who we all think is going to be really good and a chance to be an all-star. Now now we're talking. And so even if they're in the lottery the next couple of years, I think you just got to roll the dice and try to play the, the lottery odds. And if and Kemba can make a seven or eight seed. And we talked about this. I talked about this with Kelly last time about the Pelicans. If you keep your draft capital, who knows who the next disgruntled superstar will be. And maybe a one-year rental is, is worth it to, to pair some with Kemba and see how good you guys can be. In terms of teams that we're kind of keeping an eye on, Leo, what is – what is a team that you're looking at come July 1st and, and very interested to kind of see what moves they, they pull off? It'd probably be Miami. They're in a weird spot right now. They're over the cap by a good amount. Uh, Hassan just opted in, as everyone predicted six months ago. 27 million reasons, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Pat, I, want, I wonder what Pat's going to do because they're in a weird spot. They they missed the playoffs this year. That's I, it's very unusual under Spolstra and Pat's management that that happens. Um, uh, I, maybe they pull off a sign and trade. They, I think Jimmy should be an option for them in a sign and trade. Uh, he loves the warm weather. He he'd go at, he'd take. He'd, he's after D Wade's legacy as their good good friends. I think that'd be a good option for them. But I want to see what what Pat Riley's going to do out there and see if he can get a little creative. Kelly, how have we made it to, as I check, the almost the 30-minute mark of this podcast and not mention the New York Knicks once? You know, I remember one, one of the very first episodes we were talking about the KP trade <laughs> and how it was lining them up for KD and Kyrie and Zion. Well, a lot has changed the last four months. No Zion, KD's hurt, and Kyrie is, you know either going to go across the East River or out to L.A. If I'm the Knicks, I don't know what you do because, I mean, all right, well, you signed KD, great. He's out the whole season, which would help the, you know, you you could get another good draft pick from it, but it's also, well, you're still going to be bad again. And then if you just signed Kyrie, like, I just don't know how that will go. Like the Knicks can go in a lot of ways and they could be the Knicks and sign a combination of Tobias Harris and DeMarcus Cousins and like, you know, Michael Beasley again and just be really weird and really bad or the eighth seed. Or they could just be say, hey, we're not going to we can't get the big guys. We're going to rebuild the Sixers esque and do the process of building through the draft and smart signings and try to build a real culture. But they're the Knicks, you know. It's like they're just dysfunction. The perfect encapsulation of the Knicks and what they've been the past couple years 
is if they were the team. I saw some, I don't even know who mentioned it, but someone was reporting that they would be in the DeMarcus Cousins sweepstakes if they were to swing and miss on Kyrie and Kevin Durant, as it appears is likely the case. So if all of a sudden Knicks fans go from, you know, cheering for Zion and having hopes of, as you mentioned, KD and and Kyrie coming to, to the mecca of basketball, as they say, and then they wind up with DeMarcus Cousins, who might be 50% of the DeMarcus Cousins that he was in Sacramento, that'd be that'd be totally, totally devastating for that fan base, especially if those two are, are shooting up in Brooklyn and, and just, they're just across the city. But the, the team that I'm super interested in is the Celtics because last year people were you know, predicting them for, you know, upwards of 65 wins, I heard certain people say. And they had some might consider the greatest collection of talent in the entire league. And now it looks like Kyrie is out. It looks like Al Horford is gone as well. Gordon Hayward's not himself. Terry Rozier is a free agent or restricted free agent. And he was on Get Up a couple weeks ago and sounded very disgruntled and sounds like he wants out. So now you're left with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and maybe Kemba Walker. They, there have been some rumors linked there. But I'm just interested to see what Danny Ainge has up his sleeve because here's a guy who's been hoarding assets for years in hopes of recreating that championship team with Kevin Garnett and, and Paul Pierce and, and Ray Allen back in 2008. And a lot of times people get criticized for pulling the trigger on certain trades that might be a little overzealous. And here's Danny Ainge just sat back with all these assets and they might, you know, come out to bear nothing. And he's going to be just left standing at the altar. And I mean, the Celtics, there's a potential that they, they're kind of in a mini rebuild um, once free agency's over. If they don't, if they don't re-sign some of their own guys and aren't able to to, uh, to land a, a Kemba Walker or a player of that ilk. The crazy thing about the Celtics, and then, you know, Leo, I, I want your take on this too, but if you go back for all the moves that they've made, would you, in the moment, do anything differently? Like, if you could do all those moves again, you'd probably do all those same moves again. You would still draft Tatum, you'd still draft Jalen Brown, you still sign Hortford, you still do the Kyrie deal, and you still sign Hayward. Like... All the moves that they made in the moment, like you wouldn't really like everything went like the plan was great. It's just it didn't turn out the way that they thought it would. But it's it's also not only the deals that you make. Sometimes it's the deals that you didn't make. And they were rumored to be in on Jimmy Butler and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and DeMarcus Cousins a few years ago. So there's all these guys that they probably had the best assets to offer and chose not to and kind of kicked the can down the road and were like, you know what, we're going to be ready when the next guy comes up. And then guess who the next guy was? Anthony Davis. And now the ship's on fire and you don't want to give up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just to have Anthony Davis walk next summer. So yes, in a, you, you would do the Kyrie trade again, even if you knew he's leaving because Isaiah Thomas turned out to be an injury waiting to happen. Jay Crowder is certainly replaceable and Colin Sexton is nothing to write home about. So I think you do that trade again. Gordon Hayward, you sign again. That's a freak leg injury. But I think a lot of it is the fact that he didn't make a lot of these deals that he probably should have. Kelly, taking the words right out of my mouth. I mean, you jumped in <laughs> before I could say it. I love it. But, but 
you know, which is which which is my question for Leo. Was was this a failure from from the Celtics? Is it should they obviously you know hindsight's twenty twenty and is he the Monday morning quarterback? But it's easy to say, hey, they should have gotten Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Maybe my, my prediction is that maybe that will cause them to be over aggressive in free agency this year to make up for previous mistakes of not pulling the trigger on trying to get some of these guys. I think it has to be a failure. Uh, when you're in Boston, it's championship or Boston. Where they went out in the second round, it's it has to be a failure. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the like Danny Ainge is so well known for being this close to to making that deal, and and yeah, it's it's the Gordon Hayward is it's it's Gordon Hayward's really just the big question mark coming forward. Thirty two million on the books next year. Uh, he was looking good at some points, but if he can take that next step, I think they can be. I'm not sure. With Kemba, they can be a four, three seed in the East. What do you think they can? You guys think they can really have a shot at winning the East? Say they get Kemba and keep their roster intact. I think adding Kemba to the team, even if he's maybe he's 90 percent of what Kyrie was, maybe that gap is closer. I'm not sure, but I think most would agree in terms of raw talent, Kyrie is probably a little bit ahead of Kemba Walker. But Kyrie, the headache. The drama he brings into a locker room on the in the daily basis, that's something that it's hard to quantify. And I think someone who's low maintenance goes about his work, such as Kemba. He he and Brad Stevens would mix well. I do not think that they'd be anywhere near a favorite in the Eastern Conference, especially if Al Horford leaves, because Al Horford is one of those guys who he, he's his numbers really aren't great, but. He's across the board. He's just solid, and he does a lot of small things like setting good screens, being a good passer, that don't really get too appreciated outside of probably that locker room and that coaching staff. And I think the loss of of Al Horford is probably close to as devastating the loss of Kyrie, assuming both leave. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, I I mean for sure. If if they if if Horford was staying, I'd say this is fantastic addition by subtraction and just more praise for Danny Ainge but losing Horford is, is such a huge huge loss and and I, and I think no matter what Milwaukee will probably be the favorites for next season assuming Giannis is healthy going into the season but for Boston I just think that they they just need a shakeup and I think that if they add Kemba Kemba was a has been a, the leader in Charlotte his whole career he has experience leading and he knows how to, how to lead a team. He also hasn't led a team to a lot of postseason success, but he's been like the guy on a team. And that was something Kyrie never had to do and really struggled with in Boston, especially interacting with some of the younger players. Due to Charlotte being in the lottery a lot, Kemba's had to deal with a lot of young players too. And I think that's something that we're not talking about as well in terms of if Kemba ends up on the Celtics, he'll, he could be a good locker room presence and a leader of the team because that's what he had to do in Charlotte. But I think the one guy who we're not talking about for the Celtics, and I got the Dave conspiracy hat on, Kelly, we're not talking enough about Kevin Durant to the Celtics. He took a meeting with them in 2016 I I know he's hurt now, but that meeting, I, I remember, and I may be wrong, so so correct me if, if I am, but I think it was his second choice. His, his top three was 
Obviously, the Warriors, OKC, and Boston. I think Boston was really close to getting him, guys. And I could see them making a big push for him, letting him get get healthy. And and I could see KD going to the Celtics. I don't see that just because of how close he and Kyrie are. So if he and Kyrie are rumored to be potentially playing together in Brooklyn and they're supposedly besties, I can't see a scenario in which Kyrie leaves Boston under the terms that he – it looks like he's leaving Boston under. And then Kevin Durant just going to kind of – take the spot that he just inhabited I, I i agree that kevin durant and boston has not really been talked about so much considering how close he was to signing there in the summer of 2016 but i'd be shocked if he signed with the celtics i think honestly if he signs anywhere other than either of the new york markets or golden state i'd be surprised and if i were him i would i would sign with the golden state for the five-year max for five years 221 million and if you're, I mean, maybe it's one of those wink wink situations where if you're unhappy next year or you just want to rehab this year, I think the Warriors probably owe you a solid to sign you to that contract and then they can get assets for you a year from now when you show you're fully healthy. But um, leaving 60 plus million dollars on the table when you're 31 years old coming off an Achilles injury doesn't seem like the wisest decision in the world to me. With Boston again, um I don't roster construction would be super weird. They're, they would have no cap space left. They'd have uh, an exception, and then that, and then veteran minimums again. They would have no point guard and no center. Um, I, you can't bang with the East without a point guard or center. Who's going to bang with Joel Embiid, and then who's going to guard the guards? It, I, I don't see you're going to have Jalen Brown, Katie, and then Tatum three forwards. It would just be super weird. I mean that's just disrespectful. He's semi Ojale off that list. That that dude could bang <laughs> with the centers in the NBA, but <laughs> or Yabuselli, who's a unit. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But I I don't know. I I think Danny Ainge can can get creative, and I don't know. It's just of all the spots with cap space, it's, it's just weird that no one's talking about it because this is the this is the time of the year that that we love. It's Woj bomb season and sham bombs and. Every rumor possible we're talking about, you know, Kawhi goes to Home Depot to buy boxes and it becomes like a national, international story. And it's just weird that of all the things that we've talked about and people are talking about is that the KD and the Celtics hasn't come up enough or at all, really. Let's wrap this each. We're each giving one bold prediction for what happens post 6 p.m. on June 30th. Leo, give give. Give the audience one bold prediction for, for when the madness begins. I'll go with, I'll split it. I'll split it. I think Patrick Beverly is going to get a lot of money. A lot. I think he'll get like 40 to 50 million for around three to four years. And number two, Al Horford. I, it's, not a, it's not bold, but he's going to get a whole lot of money at that old age of his. He's going to get over $100 million and he's going to be like 37, like dogging it out there, and he's going to be sitting on his ass with $30 million a year. Wow. All right, so bold prediction number one. Kyrie Irving will sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh. <laughs> oh, Dave. <laughs> I'm, you know, and I think Kawhi returns to Canada. Okay. 
And I think KD, I'm allowed to be a delusional Knicks fan every once in a while, Kelly. So I'm taking my, you know, capital J journalism hat off. And we're speaking from the heart here. KD to the Knicks. Wow. Speak it it into existence. I could see it, Dave. I could see it. I think Kyrie to Brooklyn. Then the Nets will renounce the rights to D'Angelo Russell. I think the Lakers have all of these meetings lined up with these marquee free agents. Meetings, I mean, cool, I guess, but I I really don't see a Kawhi Leonard going to join the Lakers or Klay Thompson. Kevin Durant, I think, re-signs in Golden State. I think the Lakers are going to sign D'Angelo Russell. And life life comes full circle, and I think they're going to spend... Maybe not the whole $32 million max, but maybe four years, 100-ish million on D'Angelo. And maybe that gives them the flexibility to go out and sign a Danny Green or J.J. Redick if he wants to go ring chasing for a year. I mean, I really don't love the fit of D'Lo and LeBron, but I think I think D'Angelo Russell heads back to Los Angeles. And the big three for the Lakers is, is D'Lo, A.D., and LeBron. Is D'Lo a, uh, a clutch guy? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I mean that could be holding it back. I mean, I think with the Lakers, you just got to look at all clutch guys for those veteran minimums. Here's, here's my final question for you guys. If you are that rookie who just got drafted by the Lakers, are you buying a place in L.A.? Or are you waiting until free agency is over? Because I'd be concerned that, that I'd be getting dealt. I would hold off on purchasing any property. Horton Tucker is his last name, I believe. He's a clutch client, so I think he's safe. <laughs> I think he's safe. I'm, I'm buying. I'm buying a place. Kuzma's got to sign with Clutch now, right? I mean, the the thing that doesn't make any sense to me is like, all right, the Lakers are like, you could have anyone on the roster, but Kuz. Like, is Kuzma LeBron's best friend? Like, what's going on with Kyle Kuzma out in LA? Because he's good. But he's not that good. I think Kyle Kuzma thinks he's that good, and that's half the battle. Kyle Kuzma loves himself and some Kyle Kuzma. His Twitter game has been unreal during this free agency and, and the trade season. It's been awesome. All right, well, Leo, thank you for, for joining us. We'll, we'll have to have you back soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. That'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe rate and review on itunes five stars would be much appreciated if you have any feedback for the show good bad or indifferent you can reach us our twitter account is dbl underscore dbl podcast and our email address is double double four zero two at gmail.com you may have noticed we have some new music done by elliot Efrat from Northeastern University. Kid has got some talent on the mic. So thank you, Elliot. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care and make it a great day.